My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and it is my pleasure and my honor and my duty to welcome you to my brand new show. This is it and this is The Last Video Store. Every week on this show, I'll be joined by wonderful guests and they're gonna be coming into the store. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna chat, we're gonna converse about their favorite films. We're gonna talk about one new release. We're gonna talk about two of their favorite older movies. Those are weeklies. And then I'm gonna leave them with the staff pick recommendation, a bespoke choice from me based on their taste. And the first person joining me had to be a certain fella, one of my dearest friends who I've collaborated with many, many times throughout my life. It is the wonderful, the hilarious, the beautiful Cameron James. You know him from stand-up comedy. You know him from making shows with me like Finding Drago, the podcast, Finding Desperado, the podcast, Finding Jesus, the YouTube web series. We solve mysteries together. We've also talked about popular culture, freaking ad nauseum over on Mic Check, Total Reboot, and special features. If you want to listen to special features on Total Reboot, we've got them in a new feed for you. You can click on over to it wherever you want. But now we're in the last video store. Cameron is joining me in here. He freaking dropped me off. He drove me all the way up to Batuta so I can live my life in my fantasy of returning to being a video store clerk. I love Cameron. I think you will too, unless you already do love him, which is actually awesome. So thank you for doing that. But let's enjoy this chat. Inside the last video store. Wow. In Batuta, Queensland. It's beautiful to be here. Um, I did drive you here, so. <laughs> yes, I don't have a license. Yeah. My dearest friend, Cameron James, you're the only person that would do this for me. Drive I'll, me halfway across the country. I would do anything for you. If you asked me to drive you further, Wow. I would ask you to chip in petrol, but I'd still drive you. And this was one on the house. I didn't have to chip in anything. <laughs> and all we had to do was carry 20,000 DVDs and yeah. 65 million VHS tapes. The entire collection. The whole collection has been shipped over to Batuta. Wow. How do you feel about it? I feel emotional. It's a huge step in my life to go back to whence I came. Mm. A humble video store clerk, but this time, not so humble. I'm carrying a big old ego. Whoa, this guy's cocky. <laughs> I'm cocky, but, you know, it's, I'm doing what I love most. Mm. Talking about movies, scanning discs and loading them to people. <laughs> yeah, is, is a lot of being a clerk just kind of data entry? It's a lot of data entry. It's a lot of scanning <laughs> discs. I still have nightmares from when I was a teenager working in the store because we didn't keep the discs in the cases out in the field because people would take them and run out. <laughs> so we had a huge vault. Like it literally was a vaulted door in Mondo movies that had like you could spin the little thing and it would bolt in with those huge like- a, like, like a bank vault. A bank vault. From, from, from like the mask and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's the one we go, guys, the mask door. That's the only bank robber movie I could think of in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that. You have like yeah. those little bolts that come in through wow. each way. And 
in there we had like 20,000 discs of just like and you had to like go okay what's the number on the box Uh go memorize that number or take it in if you're if you've been around the block a few times you need to take it inside with you Uh and you have to just go through all these little sleeves okay where's Dunstan checks in there okay Dunstan checks in is about uh, movie 1200 okay going in there and <laughs> no, no shit to this day I'll have nightmares about being in that room it's like fuck the numbers are up to a million the numbers are up to a million <laughs> and here at Batuta Video we've got every single movie ever made wow. so it's hard to go through them all okay but you know you're our first customer allow me to do you a beautiful service okay you're customer zero whoa you're going off the books that's actually a really good rap name <laughs> Customer Zero. Can I use that? You can use that. I'm thinking of rebranding as like a kind of white hip hop guy. Wow, it's rebrand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of your brand. Really? Yeah, you think that's sort of my thing? Because you're always going yo, yo, yo. I do say that a lot. Yo, yo, but yo. But I'm only saying yo, yo, Adrian. Oh, of course, based on the movie character Rocky and his girlfriend, yeah. Adrian Balboa. Yeah. Me, Panino. <laughs> Anyway, I've got to sign you up to this. I'm going to need your name for the record. Say it out loud, bro. Okay, it's Cameron James. Cameron James. C-A-M-E-R-O-N-J-A-M-E-S. Okay, in what order? Cameron first, first then James second. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. in there. Uh, I need to see a little piece of ID. I see here you've got a little, a little driver's license, and it's registered to the vehicle, the Black Pearl, named Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I... Uh, I used to work at a theatre restaurant when I was 21, and uh, the, the character I played was Jack Sparrow. Wow. Um, and what, Jack Sparrow, he's known for so many great songs. <laughs> <laughs> he's known for so many great songs. But what were, the, what were the songs that Jack would sing? Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Sorry. Captain Jack. Sorry, uh, I need to say with you, please. Because Jack rank. could be anybody. It could be Jack Skellington. Could be Whispering Jack. Could be Jack from the movie Jack. Yeah, Which Robin. is one of the scariest movies of all time. Of course, because it tells you about the perils of aging. Exactly. Captain Jack's songs were, I had two signature songs. One was Robbie Williams' Rock DJ. Wow. Um, Great tune. Love that. And uh, the other one was Smash Mouth's cover of I'm a Believer from the Shrek soundtrack. Shrek soundtrack. Mm. So everything's movie related. Yeah, everything's movie related. In Mm. my life, Mm -hmm. in my theatre restaurant days. My future. In your future. Mm. Wow. And of course, you're taking on the character of Captain Jack one more time. You're yep. looking back at those years of your life right now with the nostalgic lens of one, you know, who's a nostalgic filmmaker? Uh, did I say Woody Allen? He's quite nostalgic. Mm, quite I nostalgic. would say a safer bet, Richard Linklater. Let me take that again. With the nostalgic eyes of one nostalgic filmmaker, Dickie Linklater. That's right. You know, another one Richard. would be um, Woody Allen. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so it's in there no matter what cut you use. Yeah, it's going to be in there. <laughs> But you're going back, you're doing a new show, Mixtape, where you're looking Mm. back at this time in your life. Yeah, I'm looking back on specifically the year 2009 when I worked at this theatre restaurant and... Avatar was coming out in cinemas. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) Was Inglourious Bastards that year as well? I think so, yeah. 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 I think so. See, that's the one that comes to mind for me Mm. when I think 09. I'm more of a dirty, like down and dirty Tarantino guy. Mm-hmm. You're more of a pristine James Bond. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. I love blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like cult movies like Inglorious Bastards. 
<laughs> yeah, so my show is mainly set during that era when I was working at a theatre restaurant mm-hmm. and I was going through my first serious relationship at the same time. Wow. And I had to choose which one I was going to put all my energy and focus on. God, and was he a certain, how do I say, swashbuckler that one out? <laughs> you have to see the show to find out. <laughs> what a beautiful sell. Well, mm. we're going to, we're signing you up. I'm going to send you out to the show. Scan them. We've mm-hmm. got everything in there. You and I just spent the last 16 days putting the shelves together. Yeah. Putting all the movies up in alphabetized order, categorized by genre, such as drama. Horror. Comedy. Children stuff. Yeah. Children and family section. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the kids do pieces of shit in the corner. And they're one of the dirtiest places in the world. Cult. Cult, art house and cult. That's my favorite section. Uh, my favorite section is the one through that little door with beads hanging down. Yeah. There. And we beaded them ourselves. We yeah. beaded them off. We just put those little yeah. beads in we there. To, we had a bead off. Yeah, we had a little mm. bead off session. We were mm. back to back putting the beads, mm. yeah. putting the beads together. B to B bees. And then we in there we yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm going to send you out. You can pick from any single movie ever. We've got okay. every single film in here in our cavernous video store. Okay. Am I picking um, new release, weeklies? Mm-hmm. What it's a combination. You've got the new member combo. Combo is one new release, mm-hmm. two weekly titles. New release. Okay. All right. Well, obviously, we don't have a hard copy of my, my new release. <laughs> we don't have a hard copy edition, but slide over your collection. What have we got? Okay. I've got a couple of weeklies mm-hmm. here, and I've got a new release mm-hmm. that I assume you'll have to download for me. Or no, current. we've got a physical copy. It's really? just out back. Allow me a few seconds to go over and pick it up. Okay. Movie 10,027. Hmm. Interesting. Director Molly Gordon mm-hmm. co-directed mm-hmm. with a little fella that goes by the name of Nick Lieberman. The movie is 2023's Theatre Camp. Comedy. Yes, I had to put it in there. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that you don't have a physical copy right here, but I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. I had to have it. It's a wonderful movie. I fucking love this film mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most joyous in cinema experiences I've had in the last few years. It was a joy. In particular, I would say there is this climax in the movie where you see one of the characters played by Noah Galvin, uh, mm-hmm. who has not had the chance to perform, finally perform. And I was both in tears with joy for the character, mm. but completely losing my mind mm. with laughter. I thought it was so funny. What is like the basic premise for Theatre Camp and why should people watch it? I guess it's sort of like standing on the shoulders, I will say, of a Christopher Guest sort of film in mm-hmm. that it is a mockumentary. It's about wannabe actors who go to a summer camp for like drama kids, essentially. <laughs> yeah. They're like young children who want to be stars when they grow up. The camp is taught by people that are in their 20s who maybe are never going to be the stars they wanted to be when they were little. And that's kind of the tension that's at play. Is mm-hmm. It's sort of like, uh, do I want to teach the next generation or do I want to be a star myself? And uh, the that's... movie is mainly about that, I would say. But it's also about friendship and love and about the joy of putting on a show 
for your parents and all that kind of stuff. And it's also these kids are so talented. Yeah. They're so funny. They've got such like vibrant personalities. And also just like just there's something about it where it's like got that gooey nostalgic quality mm. of, you know, you were probably a theater fella. I was a theater kid at some to some degree. Mm. But I think it really captures all that in the joyous way that, like you said, Christopher Guest does. Mm. But also, you know, if you love stuff like Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, it's got a lot of that in it too. Yeah. It bridges like the gap almost mm. between this is Spinal Tap and those kind mm. of like faux documentaries. But then it gets a little bit more... Like it, usually it's a thing that I love about faux documentaries where they like it's completely spellbinding. They never break the spell. Mm. This one doesn't always live in that realistic space, mm. but it's always in aid of like a really killer joke or something yeah. really funny or an insight that you wouldn't be able to see if it was a fully realized faux documentary. It definitely does one of your favorite things in a musical, which is merm. Oh, musically enhanced reality modes. It does a little bit of musically enhanced reality mode stuff towards the third act of Mm -hmm. the movie where these kids are putting on a play Mm -hmm. for their parents. They've been working on it all summer. And it's a musical. And when the musical is happening on stage, it sort of starts to infect the filmmaking as Mm -hmm. well. Some types of shots that we've never seen before start happening. Characters who are not on stage begin to sing a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of lifts itself up almost into musical mode. It's, it's kind of like a covert musical in many ways. It's covert. It's Alan Covert. Alan Covert style <laughs> musical. One of Sandler's great collaborators. Yeah. But Merm, it's my favorite term. It is basically that little Merm, thing. Merm, Merm, Yeah, the Merm is the term. <laughs> it's when, you know, when you're in that musical mode and you start almost soliloquizing. You're like, yeah, I don't really know how to feel about this kind of thing. I guess I feel a little sad. It's that kind of shit. That shit. I love yeah, that shit. You love that and shit. And I felt something in me. It has mermy moments. Mm-hmm. There's a moment towards the end when Molly Gordon's character is um, reuniting with her best friend that she's had a falling out with, Ben Platt's ben character. Platt. Great, I, great pairing. Great pairing. Together. Actual best friends, mm-hmm. childhood best friends, now, now both stars. collaborators, stars. And during their reconciliation, which comes at the climax of the onstage play, she starts singing harmonies to the play that's happening on stage. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it just fucking killed me. I just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And I had this experience when I left the cinema the final song of the play was is the, like the climax of the movie as well. So I left the cinema singing it and I was walking home. I went sort in the middle of the day as mm-hmm. well. So I like walked home. I had the rest of the day ahead of me. I was all buzzed up from watching this movie and I was thinking to myself, God, musicals are just so special and powerful mm. that they can like <laughs> – leave you with an emotion that you didn't have, you know, and it's all just through song and repetition and music and it's pretty cool stuff. Wow, you have a glint in your eye. Dare I say, could it be a tear of joy peeking around the corner of your ducts? I've always been a little bit in denial that I like musicals, Mm -hmm. but the older I get, the more I just have to admit it to myself and to you and to all of your viewers that they get me 100% of the time. Something will happen in a musical, even if it's really cheesy, Mm -hmm. really lame or mainstream, there will always be a point in the show or the film where I become overwhelmed emotionally. And I think it's because 
I'm such a big music fan, mm-hmm. and I just I love you things. love the power of music. I love the power of music, but I also love the commitment and dedication oh. of an actor who has learnt to sing. The craft. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the craft, the dedication, it's the craft. All there. And if there's dancing involved, I'm even more like I'm just I'm gone. I've said this to you before, but mm-hmm. the first time I was lucky enough to go to a famous city in the world called New York City. Whoa. Which I don't know if you've heard about it. I've heard of it. Mm. Uh, Seinfeld's based there. Seinfeld's set there, not filmed not there. Not filmed there. It's filmed in LA. Yeah. Which is a city of angels. Yeah. If I were to characterize New York's a little bit down and dirty, perhaps a city of devils. Definitely. Definitely Beelzebub would be see, chilling out there. He there. would be a regular at a diner. He'd go, fuck, who's that? Beelzebub. He's always here. Can't you tell he's got big fucking horns popping <laughs> out of his head? He's the devil, bruh. He's devil related. <laughs> devil adjacent. He's devil adjacent. He's devil adjacent. He's mates with the devil. The first time I went to New York City or NYC. NYC. We got to save time. That's what God, I thought. If you could, if the, if the city was any kind of fruit, how what size would it be and what kind of fruit? It'd be big. Mm-hmm. It'd be an apple. And wow. brother, I want to take a bite. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's not a worm in there. Okay, Donald Trump. <laughs> Trump tells the worm. We've always said that. Why has that. that not been a meme? I we think should it make should be that a meme. really popular. I think that should be a meme that we make. Is this podcast coming out in 2016? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're backdating good, it. Good, good, good. We're backdating yeah, it. Yeah, because I think that would pop in it 2016. Pop. Yeah, that's it. That's fucking <laughs> so, awesome. Last time I went there and I saw a show on Broadway, mm-hmm. it was La Cage Fall. Oh, which has, I uh, am what I am. And that song, mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, La Cage Fall is... Probably most famous as the film adaptation, The Birdcage. Yes, by Elaine May and yes. Mike Nichols. Starring, starring Robin, Robin Williams, Williams, Nathan, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Hackman, and Diane Weiss. Sure, Diane Weiss. Love yes. Diane Weiss. We went four names deep on yeah. The Birdcage. And we didn't even then. mention Hank Azaria. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm going to have to freaking commit Harakiri for leaving him out. <laughs> Fabulous performance. Great performance. But it's based on a French film as well, yeah. Akaja Fall. Uh-huh. And then Harvey Firestein. Yes, wrote the book and adapted it as a show. Mm-hmm. And the Broadway show that I saw. Um, God, who was in it? Kelsey Grammer. Oh. Played the um, Robin Williams part. Yes, of course. And the Nathan Lane part was played by an actor whose name now escapes me, but he is in The Favourite, the show The Favourite. Nicholas Holt? (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas Holt? Yes, he was 15 at the time. (laughs) He was 15? Fresh from Skins. Right, he was a beautiful drag queen character. (laughs) Can't remember the actor's name, but he's really great. Mm -hmm. Look him up. Sorry if this is upsetting. He's like a Tony winner, really fantastic actor. He played the part on West End as well. And when he sings that song, I Am Mm. What I Am, which is the moment of the story where the character has been denied the like love mm-hmm. of his partner and he's ha- been forced to pretend to be a straight man um and he sings this song re- like claiming boldly that his sexuality mm-hmm. and that he's proud of who he is and he doesn't want to hide anymore yeah um it's like i guess the torch song of the movie like the classic moment in yeah. these sort of musicals where torch song trilogy another play by fire have you there you go <laughs> It's the classic moment in the show where the character declares something mm. like that. Here's who I am. I am yeah. what I am. And I started bawling my eyes out. And it was my first experience crying in wow. a live play. Yeah. 
And um, ever since then, any musical eventually makes me cry. It unlocked something it for did. you. It did. It really yeah. did. Like, I can't go back now. It's a beautiful song. I saw La Casa Fall in Sydney last year. Mm. And i tell you who played that character. Uh, one of my favorite actors, an actor you love, Paul Capsis. Woo! From head on. Mm. Mike, spectacular. Yeah. So fun. So spectacular. Doing a almost like a Mae West impression for a lot of like the <laughs> drag aspect of the character. Yeah, that's really fun. But you know, that's our first skew of the podcast. Macho Man Cameron James admits he loves musicals. Thank you. And Macho Man is also a song by a very gay uh, <laughs> pop group called The Village People. A very gay guy called The Village People. <laughs> All right, we're going to send you back out. We're going to go get some weekly titles. Before I do that, I'm going to ask you another question for the form. Okay. Have you ever been a member or currently are you a member of another video store? You're going to have to swear your allegiance to us and cancel that citizenship. I was previously a member of Video Easy Charlestown. Where's Charlestown? In Newcastle. Newcastle. The suburb that I was born in. You were born, bred in? Born in bred in. <laughs> you were in bred in? Okay. Little joke. That's exciting. Um, and it, it no longer exists, so I think I'm fine. Do you have any memories of this place? Of course. Ooh. Big, beautiful building. Take beautiful. Me cavernous. cavernous. High ceilings. I remember the exact layout of it. I remember I would walk. I was obsessed with walking down the horror aisle oh, because gosh. you'd see some wild covers from the 1980s. And did you feel a 90s? chill staring at them? Was Absolutely. there something about all like, of it scared me? Did you feel transgressive? Of course, because you'd see like um, the one that comes to mind particularly that mm. made me feel like this is transgressive. This is hardcore shit. The devil the is cover. whispering in your ear. Yeah, the devil yells <laughs> above himself. Hey, come look at me. Come sit next to me in this diner. <laughs> It was um, the cover for Ghoulies. Oh, fucking the little bald guy popping out of the toilet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have um, you ever seen Ghoulies? No, never seen I it. Remember we, I saw with some friends at a sleepover. Probably oh, yeah. Like around that, it's a real know, sleepover movie. Real sleepover, dirty sleepover movie. Yeah. I have almost no memory of it, but the cover, that's the like cover a great cover. The cover is iconic. It's this little green uh, monster character who's can bald. I, can I say something rude? Yeah. It kind of looks like... Um, <laughs> Pauli Panima from our aforementioned Rocky. Yeah. He does look a Adrian's little bit. brother. Yeah, he looks like Burt Young, you does know. does look a bit like Burt yeah, Young. but green. Green, green Burt Young. Green Burt Young. I wonder if they're brothers. <laughs> Popping out of a toilet. And the implication is, God, if you're sitting on that dunny can and a little monster comes out with sharp teeth, eats your little butthole out, you'd probably have a pretty bad time. Yeah, it might be the last moments of your life. And I don't think they're going to be pleasant for more than three seconds. <laughs> You're dying getting your salad toast? <laughs> Come on. By a little green boat, young. <laughs> That's scary stuff. Well, you've got a choice of any older movie ever made. Okay. Go have a pick. Pick a few choices. Come on back. Will do. Weekly. Uh, I've been scaring the shelves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back into that little beaded room for a little <laughs> yeah, while. Yeah, I noticed that for a few minutes. Yeah, I just wanted to see what was going on back yeah. there. By the way, what's titty slickers? <laughs> well, it's a lovely movie starring Billy Bob Crystal Balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I noticed you have one flick that I uh, couldn't find on the shelf at all. There's oh. one I've been wanting to look mm-hmm. at for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's an older film. It's called Lex the Wonder Dog. Oh, gosh. It was directed by a, a filmmaker called Sydney Ling. Lord Sydney Ling. Lord Sydney Ling, mm-hmm. allegedly. Uh, do you have any idea if you can track that one down, order it in or anything for me? Okay, I'm checking the system. 
Um, okay. This is the one movie we don't have on the shelf. Damn. And you and I have spent many of our moons,、mm. our shared moons together, which is what we call nights. We our do call them moons. moons. We call them shared moons. And we went trying to find this movie, Alexa Wonder Dog.、Mm. Why? Because it is a movie that once held the title for world's youngest filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, the Guinness Book of Records. One of the most famous books of all time. Yeah. Second only to the Bible and the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> which are related. This is the only one <laughs> that's not in there. <laughs> But it does have references to both of those books as being really good bestsellers. Yeah, <laughs> they are probably both in the. They probably、records. are. Yeah, but you know that it, it was held that title for I don't know, like thirty something years. Definitely. And we went trying to find it because we didn't think it was a real record. We made a whole podcast about it called Finding Desperado,、mm-hmm. and it's still one of my missions that one day we'll see this movie. Today well, is not that day. We、um, we have been assured by the filmmaker that、mm-hmm. it is real,、mm-hmm. that it was not a hoax, that it does exist. He says that the film print of it was stolen out of the back of a truck、yeah. in Spain, and known for truck thieves. Could be true, and,、yeah. and of course, as we all know from our times、mm-hmm. traveling, DVDs and VHSs everywhere, thieves go gaga for this stuff. They go, "Fuck, that's film reels!" Always、oh, trying to steal films, steal、yeah. those film reels. <laughs> you know, I, this is what I've been thinking about it. I don't. I think the only way that we'll get to see this movie、mm. one day, hopefully in the far off future. We'll both die of identical Kevin Smith-style heart attacks. <laughs> we'll go to that beautiful multiplex in the sky.、Mm. We'll sit down. Rosario、mm. Dawson's next to us. Obviously, she also died of an identical Kevin Smith-style <laughs> heart attack. And what should come up on the screen?、Mm. But the movie we've been searching our whole lives for. Our reward from Saint Peter, the projectionist up in the sky. Because I finally tracked down a print.、Mm-hmm. It was in a. It was in a basement in Berlin.、Mm-hmm. It's been restored. Beautifully there's, restored. There's also special features. There's commentary from Lord Sydney himself. Yeah, wow. Yeah, gonna... and the Wonder Dog. They track that down. <laughs> the Wonder Dog. Yeah, yeah. The Wonder Dog. He grew up to be Uggy from、oh, The Artist. Yeah, that's awesome. The Oscar-winning film, The Artist. That's amazing. Amazing stuff. But、so、that's you, you don't have it. We don't have it. Okay. But if you want, we can see it today. All we have to do is yeah, finally have our joint heart attack. Yeah. And there's only one way to get. We got to go in <laughs> that back room. <laughs> Let's go in. But you've got some other wonderful films here. I've got two picks、mm-hmm. uh, that I took off the shelf. They're a bit related to the new release that we just talked about、mm-hmm. a little bit as well. A bit inspired by that inspired、discussion. by. Wow. Well, you know, films inspire each other,、mm. and films inspire us in real life, and、yeah. that's the main message of this podcast. That's a great message, man. Yeah. Well, this is just a reflection of truth. I heard that Anchorman Two was inspired by Anchorman One. Very much so. Almost identical plot lines. <laughs>uh, I've got two options here. I've got a comedy or a drama. What do you want first? Let's take a turn to the dark arts of、okay. drama. Okay, let me flip the mask around. <laughs> Oop, here we go. Yep.、Um, Cover one side of that tattoo of yours. <laughs> <laughs> It's next to the old school 1950s microphone that I have. <laughs> This is a, a dramatic film. It is about music, but it would also, I think, be categorized as a thriller in some ways. I don't know where you put it on the shelves.、Mm-hmm. I'd actually like to. If it was under drama, I will take umbrage with you, okay, Professor Umbridge, <laughs> Dolores, Dolores <style>. Umbridge. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> the pink menace, Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> okay,、uh, the film is. 
Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Damien, son of the devil, Beelzebub? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Whiplash. Thriller. Whiplash. Oh, great movie, great Starring film. J.K. Rowling. Oh, no, wait, sorry. No, another J.K. Different J.K. I'm going to have to take umbrage of that. <laughs> the Laura style. <laughs> and Miles Teller, or and in Australia, Kilometer Stella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also Paul Reiser's in it. Oh, my God. And you know what I say about him? Mm. I'm not mad about him. Just kidding, I am. More of a Helen Hunt guy. Tell me why. <laughs> I love you like I do. I love Paul Reiser in this. Yeah. Um, but I love this movie. Did you see this in cinemas when it came out? I don't think I did. Gosh. I think I saw the, the first parodies of it before I saw the movie. What are the parodies of it? The, you know, it was like a thing. I swear to God there would have been like SNL sketches mm-hmm. or it... It wouldn't be this, but, you know, like, Billy Crystal doing a parody of it at the Oscars. It might have been. I think he came back to the Oscars around this time. <laughs> okay, some- what am I singing on Dragon? What am I doing? <laughs> Something like that. Oh, God, there's a guy in a black T-shirt about to scream my head off. <laughs> it's not his tempo. He's telling me it's not his tempo. Okay. It would have been something like that. Mm-hmm. I would have seen some kind of parody version of it, and then it was in the zeitgeist. I knew everyone liked it, and then I eventually saw it. Actually, but now... Now that I'm talking this out loud, I am remembering seeing it on a big screen. So mm. either I saw it at the cinema or, or at you your s- house. Or you sat really close <laughs> to a TV. Poltergeist stuff. Maybe we did watch this together because I remember seeing this cinema, absolutely loving it. And I I think I, I remember getting excited for you to see it because I know that you have a fondness for J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I love him. love the guy. He's got a great rig. Uh, unbelievable rig, and it got even better after this movie. He's, he really put the work in. Those freaking photos on his Instagram yeah, of like, he's got that big beard yeah. and those big muscles. What was that for, by the way? That was for <laughs> um, the movies that uh, he was in one of the Justice Leagues, the Zack Snyder Justice League thing. And did it come out? He played Detective Gordon. Yeah, it came out, but guess what his outfit is? Gordon's outfit and all the other movies are brown, baggy suit. That so looks like crap. He doesn't have the guns out at all. No, mate. He's wearing a freaking, like, three-piece suit and a <laughs> trench over the top, little cap on. Every Gordon scene ever filmed in a Batman movie is on a rainy rooftop. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, okay, we've got to rug him up. <laughs> You're not going to see the, the freaking beads of rain glistening between the creases of his muscles. Mm. Hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> they but, should have just had him up there doing CrossFit or something. That would be awesome. He goes, hey, Batman, give me a second. I just got to finish <gasps> my reps. I'm yeah. doing my reps, Batman. Yeah, I love J.K. Simmons. And I became a Miles Teller fan right on time for everyone to start hating him. <laughs> <laughs> right before everyone started liking him again, actually. Mm-hmm. There was this movie, before this movie, he was in um, Spectacular, Spectacular Now. now. Mm, and great I, film. I really loved that movie. I thought that was a really cool Almost reversal of the, um, like, classic coming-of-age arc where the guy has to, like, learn to shine bright and be a unique person Mm. in the world. It was more like, hey, dude, you actually need to learn to just be fucking normal and get a job Mm -hmm. and stop being a, like, show-off little prick. Yeah. I I loved it. And then this movie is about him... Getting that shelf little prick broken down almost. Yeah, yeah. Where is the, you know, you're someone who has a musical background. Did you ever have like formal training or were you just like a winging it guy? I went to lessons. I did mm-hmm. guitar lessons, but it wasn't, it wasn't like 
formal like this. It was yeah. just a dude who was probably, in hindsight now, only like four years older than me. Yeah, but he was cool. And he was cool and mm-hmm. he liked cool music and he would teach me Radiohead songs and Blink-182 and stuff. He's and like, oh, you got a, you're a bit of a weirdo. I got something you might like. You're a freak. You're a weirdo. <laughs> he also um, would always tell me that he had a crush on my cousin. Every time? He'd always be like, how's Katie going, man? <laughs> Yeah, by the way, I've got a crush on her. By the way, man, I always had the biggest crush on her at school. Tell her I say hey. It was always really? saying that sort of stuff to wow, me. Wow, what did and I- And I'd go back and tell Katie, I'd be like, you know, Dom <laughs> says hi, and she'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Like, it was obviously just some dude that had a crush on her. What are face. Katie and Dom doing now? I think they hooked up once. Oh, my God, Dom, your dream came true. <laughs> I, felt, I feel pride for Dom right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, good on him. He got the nail my cousin, man. <laughs> Every guy's dream. I remember I did, I studied violin when I was a kid. Oh, wow. For seven years. What? I don't know if we've ever talked about this. No. I studied violin for seven years, but from the age of seven to 14. Whoa. And I was never good at it for one minute during that time. That's a long time. For a long time. Because I just, like, I hated practicing. Mm. I hated practicing. I would just go to the lessons. And I had a hard taskmaster as my person. This and guy. Not unlike, her name was Olga. She was a Russian expat. Mm. And not even kidding, if I would stuff up, my dad's like fucking marking papers in the corner, not paying enough attention. She would poke me with a pencil in the ribs if I was not doing well. So I'm watching this whiplash. I'm going through some trauma going, oh my God, I repressed these memories of a woman jabbing me with a pencil. Interesting. So that's what you related to in the film is yeah, like the, the idea of being under pressure by a, mm. a, like a taskmaster. By a hard taskmaster. I related to the Miles Ter- Teller character of wanting to be great but constantly coming up against the wall of realising you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt as a musician when I was in my teens and 20s was like, I have all the taste mm-hmm. of someone who is good at this but I'm just not quite good enough at yeah. it. And so I was I was my own J.K. Simmons God. and my own Miles Teller. We all have a J.K. within us. Definitely. And he's screaming at you. He's always yelling, not my tempo, pal. And you go, God, am I dragging right now mm. or am I rushing? Mm. Oh, God. Or am I rushing? Is my name Olga? <laughs> God, oh, God, my ribs. <laughs> I'm feeling my old injury come back. Did you see the other Damien Chazelle movies since? Because this is, like, to me, one of the great feature debuts. It's a pretty outstanding uh, debut. And it's. It, I love that it also crosses genres. Mm. It's, you know... A drama, I suppose. Is that where you'd put it on the shelf? I don't know. I would probably go art house to just quell any of mm. those categories. So we're going to pop it back in the art house or cult section. Sure. But I think that you're right because uh, when we t- together talk about genre a lot, we talk about it as like a means for communication mm. of how to feel stories and how to interpret them. And I think this, like you said, it uses thriller yeah. kind of elements it's and a strong tension. Thriller, a lot of tension. And that was really cool to me to see thriller language mm-hmm. used just with the scene of a guy trying to learn a fucking drum solo like yeah. that was so cool to me to be like this is scary and intense but there's no one going to kill anyone here it's just a guy trying to get this like paradiddle or mm. whatever um and also it's got mu- like it's a covert musical as well because there's long musical numbers yes. in it so i i guess thought damien chazelle's career was going to be a little further down the thriller, the thriller path, path yeah. because I remember at that time he'd also written 10 cloverfield lane he wrote that i have no memory of that being here he wrote that wow. and 
there's another thriller adjacent mm. movie that he wrote around that time as well. He was like a go-to script doctor yeah. for a little while there. He's a wunderkind. And then his next film, I believe it was his next film, was just a pure musical, straight up romantic musical, no thriller elements of it at all. I have grabbed it off the shelf as he well. He can hold it up, hold it up. The film is La La Land. La La Land. And what's interesting is because I feel like uh, during the 2000s, there was kind of like uh, people were ashamed of musicals almost mm. and they weren't really translated to the big screen. The, even the ones that were and were big successes, like critically, money-wise, everything, the one that always comes to mind is Chicago. Yeah. And Chicago's great based on Bob Fosse kind of mm. style musical, but it doesn't have that merm. What mm. it has instead is like, oh, by the way, it's a dream sequence. Yeah. Or we're going into the fantasy rather than going, we're still in the reality. We're elevating it slightly. Mm. Which is cool. It's cool. I've, mm. I was going to say I have no problem with it. I'm second thinking myself. I have I think zero problems I have a small it. problem I think it. it's what makes Chicago stand out. Okay. Is that it is, yeah, ostensibly it's a real story about a, a crime, mm. a woman who murders someone, and then... Her fucking brain breaks and then mm-hmm. her, she can only see life as like a musical, as a, you know, like you said, a Bob Fosse musical. I think that's cool. But then I think La La Land is so brave for just going, yeah, it's we're a modern contemporary mm-hmm. musical. Mm-hmm. People are going to be singing and dancing in real life. We're going to be transported to things. I remember we saw this together. I still remember going to see it. I went with Becky Lucas, our dear friend. Mm-hmm. Just one afternoon, there was a previous screening. We're just like, hey, do you want to just go see this movie? We loved it so much. We convinced you and your wife to come with us to another previous screening the next day. <laughs> yeah. And we went straight away to go see it again. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And uh, I, mean, I loved it. And then I never watched it again. And then I remember the Oscars debacle oh, was huge. Yeah, got that envelope. Did I, they get, from memory, they got read out as the winner. Yeah. And then they Moonlight, you won. made speeches, they right? They made a speech and the guy's like, you go, hang on, something's going on here. Mm. Warren Beatty's crying. Faye Dunaway's going nuts. Yeah. And he goes, Moonlight, you won, holds up the thing. Love that bit. Oh, it's crazy. Moonlight, you won, come on up here. And Meryl Streep's like, oh my God, what's going on? I mean, on? It, it is insane. It's a up crazy moment. Up until Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Oh, it was the most God. insane thing that happened in our lifetime. Yeah, I <laughs> <The think Oscars>. so. <laughs> It's crazy. But then I think people kind of turned on it around that time. Remember, mm. there was a lot of discourse about the white savior thing with Ryan Gosling's character being like the only dude that can save jazz. Which bringing jazz back. Um... Which is a fair enough point, Mm -hmm. especially when you consider that one of the only um, African-American characters in the movie, played by John Legend, is portrayed as a hack. Yeah. And like a guy that's selling out jazz. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. In reality, John Legend is like Uh, an an, an obscenely talented musician. Absolutely. He's probably done more than like further the genre, you know. Than Um, Ryan Gosling has, that's for sure. Probably he's done more than Ryan Gosling. (laughs) But I, I, so I didn't see it again. And then mm. recently I rewatched it for the first time working on this stand up show mm-hmm. of mine, which has musical elements in it. Do you do Merm? A little bit. Oh, wow. Okay. A little bit of Merm in there. Um, I put it on and I just sort of let all those criticisms Melts. leave my mind. Mm. And I just enjoyed the film for what it is, which is just like, I hate to say it. Pure cinema. Gorgeous. One of my favorite terminologies. Mm. And hey, here's to the fools who dream. 
here's to the ones who dream. It's like really beautiful. It looks amazing. Um, the songs are really good. I think the performances from these two leads are outrageous considering they're yeah. not trained singers or dancers. Mm. Um, and it it does something very rare or like at least hard to come by these days, which is this is the second feature film from this film filmmaker. After this one comes out, I now have no idea what this guy will do mm. for the rest of his career. And I think that's cool. Yeah. I think if he made another film that was almost like Whiplash, but it's on a boat <gasps> or something, like wow. Speed 2, Cruise Control. Wow, Boatlash. We'd be like, oh, okay, we know all your tricks. Mm-hmm. But now that he's done this and that he's done First Man, First Man. and Babylon, mm-hmm. there are definitely stylistic things that he does that he is like maybe becoming known for. Yes. And maybe they're a little derivative of someone like Martin Scorsese or I'd even say Thomas Anderson. I think he's very Steven Spielberg, Spielberg. And I think his path is a Spielbergian path. I think so too. But I, I mean like I'm just excited to see what he does next. Like whatever it will be, a comedy, a drama, mm. a thriller, boat another whiplash. musical, Whiplash 2 mm-hmm. on a boat. I'd love that. I also think one last thing I want to say about it is – Underrated comedic performance from Ryan Gosling. In this one? In this one. It's something that no one has ever said before, I I don't think. think You think of it because it's Mm. quite a romantic film and it's mainly about the dancing and stuff, but his physical comedy is great. Yeah. He is maybe displaying for the first time the kind of like um, verbal comedic chops that he has. I think he's got a very distinct verbal comedy style, but mm. I don't know if anyone else quite does. Because he has that, what do you call it? It's like a, not a dialect, but it's mm. he's got a learned accent. Yeah. Because he's Canadian, mm-hmm. but he has like, he's learned the New York accent. What do you call that? There's a um, terminology for that. He's a loser? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But that what is kind of it? what it yeah. is. He's like a little nerd Canadian kid who was obsessed with tough guy actors, so he learned how to talk like him. By the way, thank God for this giant computer. Oh, I love this thing. Oh, my God. I can't re- I can't learn this term. It's going to fucking kill me. Yeah, probably. This is going to be the thing that kills me. Well, I'll put it in the show notes of the episode. Click on through <laughs> when I've learned out what that terminology is. All right, you've got one more weekly left. Okay. And you have gone to the comedy section for this one. Yeah, sure. I've gone to the comedy section, although I think it could belong on the documentary. <laughs> you have been spellbound by the tricks of Rob Reiner himself in that case. <laughs> We've talked about this a lot, the two of us. Mm-hmm. It's This is Spinal Tap. Music. And I remember one of my favourite conversations we've ever had mm. was about this movie. We were going through, literally, we're sitting in front of a computer, just going through the list of the AFI, the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Laughs, the best comedies ever made, going through each movie and going, it's not better than Spinal Tap, not better than Spinal Tap, <laughs> going like Duck Soup, oh, it's pretty funny, but Spinal Tap's better. <laughs> like through every movie until we hit Spinal Tap, go like, how is this not number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's number one for me. It's my all-time favourite movie. Mm-hmm. It, it would be kind of crazy if I didn't pick it up for this show. Um, everything that I love about comedy and music can all be traced back to this movie. It's mm-hmm. got it's got all the elements of the things that I like. A lot of it is in theatre camp as well. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of it in the comedy that I like to make, which is 
uh, dumb guys taking themselves really seriously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what we've been saying is mm. like drama is people taking things seriously. Comedy mm. is people taking things really seriously. Really seriously. And the characters in Spinal Tap do not have a sense of humor about themselves. <laughs> they take themselves very seriously. <laughs> and their cockiness and their arrogance um, is part of the comedy of the film because we can watch it and we know they're not as good as they think they are. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I love about it is the songs are really good. They're just really good rock songs. They're funny. There's jokes in them. But you could listen to it and not know that it's a parody for a bit. Maybe not for a whole song, but you could get a minute and a half in and be like, this is like a pretty serviceable 1980s hair metal song. And that's one thing I love about musical, like good musical comedy. Mm. The songs should almost stand alone as just good songs. Yeah. This movie does that. I agree completely. I love this movie Maybe more than any other comedy. Like, there's very few that enter that same, like, hallowed ground, if Mm. you will. Uh, But this is what I always think about when I think about faux documentaries or mockumentaries. This is a great example because very rarely does it break that that spell that it casts. Mm. Like, it feels very real. It's presented as real for a lot of it. There are, like, extensions that lead to greater jokes, but it doesn't change the form at all. And I think it's all the greater for it. To this day, Spinal Tap exists semi in real life as a real band. Mm. Like, they'll do tours together. They did the audio commentary for these DVDs in, in character. character together. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, they, they've kept that spell up in that kind of, like, Dale Close half, 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 half on, hat half off, being the early distinction between a character and not. Like, they can just pop it on whenever they want. It, but also, I remember seeing this for the first time as a kid and taking me a while to realize it wasn't a documentary. Mm. And then later on figuring out, hang on a second, these guys aren't even English. And it's like they have the most perfect comedic English accents. <laughs> yeah, they where do. Where they can just read. Like the way Christopher, Christopher Guest is so fucking real in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I he's know. He's so real. He's an incredibly underrated actor. Truly. He's mm. just like he is real in this mm. film. I love the cameos. Fran Drescher, Great early Fran. performance as Bobby. Yeah. Just uh, Bobby Slackman. Beautiful character. Yeah, Paul Schaefer in there. Oh, Paul Schaefer. Okay, Dave. Love him. You get Billy and Crystal. Billy Crystal as a mime yeah. with Dana Carvey. Two of the greats. Yeah. Bruno Kirby steals a show for me. Love Bruno Kirby. Because he's so <laughs> he's so emotional talking about Frank Sinatra and the disrespect these guys have for real musicians as a chauffeur. So freaking funny. Have you ever read the script to this? No, I've never read the script. It's a great script. Um, I'll steal it for you from the library. Cool. Absolutely. No problem. I'll do it for you, brother. Awesome. No problem. Thanks, but it is big, long scene descriptions. Mm. And then all of the dialogue is improvised. But they have kind of like scene descriptions of the scene, like what should go on, where they should start, where they should finish. And it's about the length of a regular screenplay. It's not like much shorter or anything. It's quite detailed. But you can just feel like how much of the rawness of the energy adds into that faux documentary nature mm-hmm. of it all. And they've announced they're making a sequel. I know. The sequel is also, I believe, directed by Rob Reiner. I believe so. I think in, it's the entire original creative team. In character as Marty DeBerge. Marty and by the way, do you think that's funny? I do. Yeah, I'm always on the edge. Like, <laughs> is that funny? To be like, I think it's funny because it's not too on the nose. Mm. Yeah, like, it's not like it's... It's it's right there for you. You have to kind of yeah. unpack it a bit that he's 
taken the name from three famous filmmakers. Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, and what an honor for Brian De Palma to make the cut. Huge honor for De Palma. I think it's a huge honor because it's not obvious. Yeah, I think that's what makes it good. Mm, And I think that's probably, unfortunately, De Palma's greatest accolade. (laughs) He never got Oscar noms, never this, never got wins. I think Mission Impossible is his biggest accolade. Really? Yeah. Better than being the D in Marty (laughs) DeBerkey. I mean, I'd love to be the D. Oh, God, to be in the middle there? Yeah, I'm this, very excited for this sequel. All I know about is it's kind of set up to be like a concert movie like The Last Waltz. I think that's genius. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. And it has potential to be a great comedy sequel. It does, yeah, I know. I mean, they've done enough in the, in the meantime mm-hmm. that we know their chops are pretty sharp. Sharp chops, that's yeah. my favourite term. Yeah. This guy's got a sharp chop. Yeah, I mean, Harry Shearer's got some of the sharpest chops in the biz. Oh. Beep boop. <laughs> those mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are some beautiful picks. What a mm. wonderful combo you've got. But there is one added feature to this combo. Mm. Not only do you get your new release, your weeklies, you're going to get a staff pick, a bespoke recommendation from me. Staff pick. Okay. Think of me as cinematic sommelier. Oh, wow. I've sampled your tastes. I've heard what you like. I've swilled it in my mouth a little bit. Oh, and Lord. I've spat out... For you, because I'm going to say this, you did me the honor of driving me here to Batuta today. And yeah, we did it in one day. It was a long drive. A long haul, if you will. And we stopped to get KFC twice. (laughs) Yeah. Once for breakfast. Yeah. Once for brunch. Yep. We did bang, bang. (laughs) The bang, bang. Two different KFCs (laughs) along the way. And my, oh my, are those highway KFCs some of the most graceful places in the world. You and I have actually stopped at a few highway KFCs (laughs) in our time. Yes. And they are, they truly depressing. Yeah, you got really sad. There was one I went to, it was instant. As soon as we walked (laughs) inside, something happened to me. Like Your your chemistry changed. A cloud wafted over my being. Yeah, you were so sad. It was so sad. I was like, I sat down. I just felt fat. I felt <laughs> shit. You actually ordered the worst meal I've ever seen anyone oh, order at a KFC because you ordered a salad I from ordered KFC. salads. And it, it didn't have green lettuce in it. It only had coleslaw lettuce yeah, had, without dressing. It, it was also during... <laughs> it was cabbage. It was cabbage because it was during this one-month period in Australian history <laughs> yeah. where there was a lettuce shortage. Yeah. So all the fast food places did cabbage. And I said to you... This is a blessing for me. I love cabbage. Mm. And still eating it. it was you a borscht. <laughs> I love borscht. It was a salad with just little popcorn chickens in it. It was dry cabbage dry. and popcorn chicken. And corn chips. Just honestly one of the most grim meals I've ever seen a man eat. And all I could imagine, <laughs> we in, it was such a despicable place we are in. It was like a food court on the side of the highway. Yeah. And it's a beautiful area, Goulburn. I'll say yeah. where it is. It's Goulburn. It's Goulburn, folks. And... <laughs> The cat's out of the bag. We're the dog's out of the tucker box. the dog out of the tucker box. And it was like the saddest place in the world because yeah. there's a KFC, there's a Subway, and then two crappy cafes in this food court. And it's in a beautiful part. There's all these beautiful trees and stuff. Yeah. There's nature all around it. Not, Not a single one, window in this place. <laughs> no outdoor seats. You no. have to go into this like commiserated cafeteria. It's like a silo. It was walking into a fucking cement silo. <laughs> Imagine in the corner, they've got like all those little cut, like those rest stop things that go, mm. okay, skill tester, all that shit. And there was one where it was like an accurate weighing device, like an accurate. <laughs> it was like you give you BMI, basically. <laughs> 
with this? All I could imagine was you like are. going in there, feeling as depressed as I did, eating this crap, selling going like, oh, I'll put 25 cents into this machine, find out that I'm medically obese, <laughs> and then just going to jump in front of a truck on the road. It was so sad. It was really gross. So we went past one of those, and mm. it, it means the world to me that you did that. No worries. And I'm hoping that you'll do this for me. Mm-hmm. This has been a little bit of a test. You know, you're my dear friend. Every now and then, in hospitality, they call our rock star shift. Mm. You come on in, you do a shift, you do a little guest Take a spot. Shift. Take a shift with me, mate. That's what I want. But in the video store game, <laughs> we call it a Tarantino shift. Okay. You come back in, you grace the boards, you go through the files. I would love you to come back whenever you want and love do a to. little shift with me. I'd love to. So you're not just going to get the new rental combo. Okay. You're going to get... The employee combo. Oh, my good lord. It's a special thing. Wow. We get two bespoke choices from wow, me. Wow, how exciting. Two staff picks. And I've been looking at what you've got. I mind a little bit more information for my algorithm, mm-hmm. my Alexi algorithm, mm-hmm. Will. So, fire trademark me. that. I'm trade TM, 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 TM. If you could email this to yourself, I think that counts. I'm part of the Writers Guild. That was IP. Mm. I created IP. Mm. It's original I, IP. I've created IP a few times in that, actually. <laughs> IP, really? <laughs> so that's my IP now. Uh, let, put in some more choices. What were you? What else are movies that you love in this kind of realm? There's a lot of musical kind of... I nearly picked Popstar, the mm-hmm. Lonely Island movie. Never Stop, Never Stopping. Yeah. Taking it in, taking it in. Yeah. Um, now I'm just thinking literally mm-hmm. like the next step over, which is I, for the first time in my life, I watched War Card, the Dewey Cox story. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, but you know, I like... Musical. I actually am a sucker for Almost Famous as well, which is not a musical, but it's a tonal musical, I would say. I'm locking the gates in my head. There's getting more choices in there. I like things that are a little bit um, wholesome, a Mm -hmm. little bit goofy. I love The Wedding Singer. Um, I love Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all music-related films. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. These are all coming and through my head. goofball comedy and they're a bit sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm putting it through. I don't think that there's, like, a music comedy film that you've not seen. Like, I think you know them all. Mm. Or you've seen them all. They're all on your radar. So I don't think that that's going to do it for you. So I've gone a little bit... I had to go a little bit esoteric for a choice okay. for you. A little bit esoteric. The first pick that I'm going to give to you, because I know you have a love for Wayne's World. I know they love punk stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you something with a little bit more grit. Have you ever seen the movie, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains? Drama. I have not. this. 1980s. It was kind of like a lost movie for a while. Had not been seen for a long time. Genuine cult classic. It stars Diane Lane in her first role as a teenage runaway who becomes enamored with the idea of punks. Like, she's a punk band Hmm. and she goes to basically transform this little teenage band that she's got. Her, another band member, Laura Dern, in her earliest role and they have this band that kind of are like the runaways inspired but a girl punk band it is directed by this guy called Lou Adler do you know Lou Adler the name is so familiar he is I think got one other director credit it's a movie called Cheech and Chong Up in Smoke Mm. but he was a music producer he produced the Mamas and the Papas Mm. he did comedy albums for Mm. Cheech and Chong Mm -hmm. he made that movie Up in Smoke this is the only other movie that he did and it is written by Nancy Dowd, who did Slapshot. 
and a few other great movies from the 70s. And this is, it was a difficult collaboration between them. There's probably some exploitation that goes along with this movie. But what it is at its heart is her film for the most part. There's some difficulty in there, but it's a real like, it's like a feminist version of like punk rock history Hmm. and those things. Another person in here, another thing that I was interpreting from your picks and stuff is you love to see your fellas represented, (laughs) your guys. And this movie has one of your guys in their earliest film role as well. It's the debut of Mr. Ray Winston. (laughs) And he plays a punk rocker in this film. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's a punk rock guy in this film. Does he talk the way he talks? Like geezer, talks the way he's a geezer punk. And <laughs> in his band, I think there's members of the Sex Pistols and the Tubers and stuff are in his oh band. Oh, my God. That's so, there's so like, funny. There's lots of, like, real authentic punk stuff in there. Wow. Christine Lardy from, like, Law & Order, SVU and stuff has this great monologue as an auntie of one of the girls uh, that as these girls become famous, they start inspiring other, like, troublemaker girls and stuff to start dressing, to start being like mm. these punk girls. But it's like, it was a film that was made in, I think, 79, did not get released for years, hmm. and then basically became lost for a long time. Like, just, hmm. it would only really pop up at art galleries, film festivals, not really much releases, but now it's on Blu-ray finally. Um, wow. And now it's easily be accessible. People can see it. Great movie. I am such a big fan of this aesthetic mm. as well. Like, there's something so performative and so fun about the classic 1970s punk look mm-hmm. with the like shaved sides of your head and the pin through your ear and the, the makeup like, starting to go to that glam punk yeah, kind of era. Yeah, there's a bit of Susie Sue and the mm-hmm. eyeshadow and um I think it's just because I would never have been brave enough to dress like this, but there's something just cool to me about teenagers that are so un concerned about looking like Mm. losers or embarrassed in their later years i'm a big fan of this aesthetic i love the sex pistols i love 70s british punk Mm. so much um i've been going through a musical rehash of this particular era as well i've been Mm. listening to a lot of the clash and the specials and the jam and the pistols again as well. So this is this is definitely going to be right up my alley. Let me I'm tell excited. you who's in this movie because there's a few cameos by famous punk rockers. We have got, let me just see. Okay, so in the band, you've got Steve Jones and Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Paul Simonon from The Clash. Uh-huh. Vince Welnick and Fee Waybill from The Tubes. Wow. And there is a moment in this movie where... The band that Ray Winston is the leader of, and I think those guys are like all who make up the rest of the band, which is just like pretty wild. Mm. And there's a scene where uh, Fee Waybill and Ray Winston are like having a clash with each other, and he actually decks him. Like Ray Winston <laughs> decks Fee Waybill. It's and it makes the cut of the film. But you'll like this a lot. Great music, yeah, it sounds great right punk up aesthetic, and it's genuinely punk. Like it's. It's quite edgy in what it's doing for the mm. most part, especially for being a, from a female perspective. Yeah, um, at its cool. heart, great movie. Thinking about that led me to my second choice for you. It also stars Diane Lane in this era. Whoa, you got a Diane Lane thing going on. I got on. a Diane Lane thing going on for you. I don't know why. It came through in the algorithm. I mean, I you like said her. It. I like Unfaithful. But there was, <laughs> hey, we all liked Unfaithful. <laughs> and don't get me started about what goes on under the Tuscan sun. Yeah. But this is a little bit more in that La La Land surrealism, taking okay. a little bit more of that. 
but taking it in another direction. It's a musical, but it's kind of like a musical fantasy action film. It's heavy on its genre, bona fides. It's directed by Walter Hill, the director、mm-hmm. of 48 Hours.、Mm-hmm. This almost feels like a sequel or in the same universe as The Warriors, my favorite film by him. Wow. It's a movie called Streets of Fire. Action. And the best way I can describe this、Great、is. Carver, by the way. It is like Star Wars. With an American graffiti paint job on it. <laughs>、oh、so、God. it has basically the same plot as Star Wars, where、wow. uh, Diane Lane plays this great singer who gets kidnapped by an evil biker gang who's played by the leader of which, Willem Dafoe, in one of his first roles. One of the great cocks in cinema history. One of the biggest I've heard. Yeah. So big, it's confusing, according to Mr. Lars von Trier. <laughs>、uh, and then a kind of a misfit gang of people. Head on over to break in, and it's almost like a Death Star to rescue her. But it's got rockabilly music throughout, but 1980s era rockabilly music. Reason、wow. I picked this for you is, you know, not just Willem Dafoe being one of you guys, Bill Paxton. Oh my God. And playing a great a Texan. Kind of loser music producer who is Diane Lane's producer that kind of hires this gang to get her. Mr. Rick Moranis. I love the Rick. Wow,、yeah. that's so cool. And it is, this is just a visual explosion, this film. It's so exciting. I'm also looking at、uh, on the back cover of this Blu ray.、Um, Original songs written by Jim Steinman,、mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty, and Ry Cooder. And Ry Cooder. That is so cool.、Mm. That's a great, like, that's telling me everything I need to know about the tone of the music. That's so cool. Had you ever heard of either of these movies? No. And that's what I do. I'm like an elf. I come in here, I pick things up, I find the aura, and then whoop! Which is the sound. And that's, your, and that's your catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, whoop! <laughs> Like, get the shirts printed now, is what I'm saying, because that is going to take off. I think so. I think so.、Uh, I will conjure up out of nowhere and eat them for your perfect recommendation, a perfect couple of picks. I'm so excited. I've heard of neither of these, and they look so up my alley. It's insane. In fact, it almost feels like you've just used AI <laughs> to invent two films for me. Hey, what's between AI, but apart from L E X E? Wow. Okay, that's, that's another catchphrase. That's, that's another catchphrase. Again, get the t shirts printed up now. <laughs> okay, well, Cameron, come back anytime.、Yeah. We're going to do some more special features together.、Mm-hmm. Our podcast, we just shoot the shit about popular culture, interspersed through this every now and then when we will feel like chatting about some crazy stuff. But come back whenever you want, dudes. I will. This、I'll、is your、it. home, too. Thank you so much. Now, before I leave, can I go back into that other room for a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I need to check out what Titty Slickers 2 is all about. Well, Short and curly's gold. <laughs> The last video store. <laughs> my thank yous to my dearest friend, Karen James, for dropping me off and joining me for our inaugural rental combo conversation.、Uh, Cameron is doing some really cool stuff at the moment. He has just released his first. 
music single. It's music comedy. It's what he does best. It's probably what he does better than anyone else around right now in Australia. It's a single called Boys Night. It is so funny. The video is on YouTube, so click right through to it because uh, it's a gas. It's a song about going out with the fellas on Valentine's Day. Um, it's so funny. I'm so proud of Cam for doing this, and I'm so happy that he joined me on the podcast. If you want to catch up with the films that we talked about with Cameron, his new release, Theatre Camp, is available to watch on Disney+. Plus. His classic Spinal Tap, or This Is Spinal Tap, is on SBS On Demand to watch for free. Whiplash is on Netflix, and the recommendations I gave him, Streets on Fire, Streets of Fire, I should say, and, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains are both available to rent on VOD in Australia, and that is all at the time of recording. So if it's not anymore when you're listening to this, sorry, dude, you're going to have to do your own research. I can't hold your hand the whole way. You have to live your own life every now and then. But thank you to Cameron. Check out his new show, Mixtape, which is touring Australia either right now or very soon. It is an elevation to everything that he's ever done. It's so funny, as is Boys Night. So check them all out. And a final thank you to you for watching this show or listening to it. You can listen to it on wherever you get freaking podcasts from. You can also watch it on YouTube and the links to everything like that around the show are in the show notes or the comments or whatever you call them. Click on them. You'll click everything, whatever you need to do. It's all there. Let me tell you about who we've got coming up over the next few weeks on the podcast. We're joined by... Australian actor turned Hollywood hunk, Luke Bracey from Hacksaw Ridge, from Elvis, wonderful actor. And we have a great chat about some flicks that you might not have ever heard of before, but they are a thrill. And coming up later, we've got Polly Bennett, one of the most in-demand choreographers and movement coaches in cinema working today. Saltburn, The Crown, Elvis, Bohemian Rhapsody, and many, many more. And until next time, please show your respect to cinema. When you're in the cinema, put your phone on silent, and even better, turn it off because it will conserve your battery, and then you can talk to more people online about the movie immediately after it's finished without the fear of the battery dying on you. Thank you very much.